Nice to see you in person, but if you're watching online or at some time in the future, hello. Shaldina and I have been praying that you'll be blessed by this uh, presentation. Shaldina is going to say something too, but the title of my part is The Problem of Missions. The problem of missions, in one phrase, is it's never done. But uh, Shaldina and I became interested in cross-cultural missions when we were students at Prairie, and in those days we attended at Manor. We actually didn't, we hadn't had that idea of going into missions when we enrolled, we just wanted to know God better. You ever had that desire to know God better? Yeah. So that's why you come to church, that's why you get involved in a small group, that's why you uh, watch podcasts and so on. But by the time the third year rolled around, we had developed such a burden for people who didn't know Jesus or who didn't know Jesus well. And we wanted to help them take another step. So always to take another step. And, and we recognized that we had some abilities to be able to teach and some abilities to work cross-culturally. Whether we could understand or not, it didn't matter. And so uh, we just want to let you know how grateful we are to Manor. You have been involved in our ministry from the very get-go, from the start, and we appreciate all you've done. We actually had prepared to go to Gabon, Africa, to uh, be a coach to pastors. And uh, we did that for two years. But after two years, AEF stopped working with that church, and we got transferred to Zambia. So we did four years in Africa, came back to Alberta, and we said, now what? We had prepared to, to live there for a very long time. Now what? Well, long story short, we ended up in Montreal. Now, I don't know, that's another question I have for you. Have you, has that ever happened to you? That God takes you one place to get you ready or submissive to get to another place. And he doesn't show us the whole map from the beginning. He just shows us the next step. And that's kind of what happened to us. Quickly, we were invited to be part of the Operation Mobilization Quebec team. We were on loan to them, and we've been in Montreal, I think, for 29 years in various roles. But interestingly, the, the reason I went to Africa was to, to coach pastors, and that's what I'm doing in Montreal. So I come alongside pastors, especially some of the uh, immigrant pastors who are uh, tr having trouble to build their congregation, give them advice about church health, church growth, and we try to pattern our ministry after what Jesus did. So Jesus saw people, he invested in their life, he tried to turn them to God, and that's really all that we're trying to do. So whether we're doing it by working with the pastor, or by having one-on-one -on -one conversations in our premarital preparation, Sheldina is working as a spiritual life coach, 
So she has a lot of insight into life. And so we, one of the things uh, I think you will, if you've seen any of our prayer requests, we say pray for us because the third Thursday of the month we work at the Armenian Church Food Bank. The Armenian Church, Evangelical Church, has, um, they've welcomed more than 1,200 Syrian, Syrian families about five years ago, and now once a month they do the food bank. And Pastor Georges Dabot talked about cross-cultural. After your prayer meeting, you know, you shake hands with another pastor and greet them. Georges Dabot grabs me. The first time I've ever been kissed by a man other than my dad. And uh, you can't show shock. Think you could work cross-culturally? I'll introduce you to Georges. We'll see. I'd like to introduce you to Georges. He said, you know, I'm so busy. We have so few volunteers. We're filling all these food boxes. I think about 256 at that time. He says, I have no time to evangelize these people. He's an evangelist. I said, we're workers. We can fill boxes to free you and your team up to do evangelism. And so I'd like to introduce you to George. Uh, sorry, Pastor George. As I mentioned, Shalvina is a spiritual life coach, and normally she's working one-on-one -on -one with people, either by Zoom, or FaceTime, or in person. And I thought that it would be a blessing for you to experience what Shalvina presents to people, to help them grow uh, spiritually, and by being healthy spirit, uh, emotionally. So I've asked her to give a presentation and um, she's going to come up and do that. Now, normally she's one-on-one -on -one with people, so this is going to be a struggle for Shalvina to be talking to a group, but just imagine that she's talking directly to you. Is this what I use to advance the slides? I'm going to try and help. You know that warm, fuzzy feeling when you come home? That's what it is. Alright, can you hear me? I hate not hearing people in the back. So, if you don't hear me, please let me know. I do have an outside voice, so I'm pretty comfortable that you will. But, here we go. So, are we up? Alright, surrender. What happens to your physical body when you hear that word? Surrender. Me? Never. Always. Automatic. Oh. Oh. 
always because I grew up with five brothers and I'm sure that's what I was saying never but where do I get this word surrender from I get it from Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God this is your true and proper worship do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I first remember this verse from high school at the Prairie Chapel, and I thought it was a great verse from the King James Version. Brethren, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Totally excludes the sister, so I liked it. But what is a living sacrifice? We certainly don't think much about sacrificing today in our country. We have all we need. I can <coughs> sacrifice calories in one area so I can eat something else in another area. But Paul tells us to surrender our whole being as a living sacrifice every day, every minute. Is that possible? When we sacrifice our bodies, it's everything. Our minds, our bodies, our emotions, everything is surrendered. Paul talks in verse 2, do not conform to the patterns or the habits of this world. I'll put it this way, I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me slave to that sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. And that certainly sounds like me a lot of the times. What patterns or habits do we have that make war with our mind, that actually take control over our actions? Our old nature, for sure. What about our emotional patterns and habits? So I have some questions to start off with. Can you be spiritually mature and not be emotionally healthy? Are there emotional patterns or habits that keep us from being spiritually mature? Which emotional habits or patterns keep you from being spiritually mature? Okay, I have a list here. Does any of these fit you? Uh, and these are only a small few. Uh, I, I, I just heard nagging the other day, and I thought, oh, there's an emotional pattern. Workaholic, people pleaser, anger, self-righteous, controlling, manipulative. Do you recognize yourself in any of these words? Do any other word comes to your mind? How do these emotional patterns and habits keep us from being a living sacrifice? How do they keep us from totally depending on God? Well, one of the tools that I use is called the feelings wheel. I don't know if you've known of this. It's an excellent, excellent tool 
I encourage all of you to print one out and put it on your fridge. Use it for your spouse, your children, your grandparents, whoever. Everyone needs it. Some of us find it very difficult to identify what we're feeling. We grew up thinking that emotions are bad. Stuff them, ignore them, hide them, wherever. Do not deal with them. Kendra and I have found over the years that working with people that actually have bad emotional habits rule their lives, not their minds. Their emotions are the ones that control it. So where do these emotional habits and patterns come from? Lots of times, they're actually childhood survival patterns and methods to protect our hearts from pain. And we just automatically carry them into adulthood. Sometimes they're just learned as we deal with life. I found the feeling will to be helpful in these reasons. So, in the very center of the wheel are seven basic emotions. Surprise, bad, fearful, angry, disgusted, sad, happy. Those are the center seven feelings. So for me, the hard one was fear. Fear, and that's it there. Fear of what people would think of me. Especially standing up here talking. Now how many, honestly here, how many have said, I will never stand on the platform like and speak in front of people? Come on. <laughs> exactly. Yes, you might. I said that. The uh, rest of you are all liars. That's <laughs> um, One day, a uh, ladies group asked me to speak, and I said, yeah, I'll pray about it. Now, I don't know your definition of prayer, but I was actually arguing. I fought with God over this, and I said, no way, I can't, it's not my gift, and you haven't given me that gift, and I'm a helper, I'm a servant, I do all this other stuff, I am not a speaker. But you know that Holy Spirit just gently keeps convicting, and I'm, I'm coming down, and I'm going, okay, okay, all right. I'll do it, but I have three conditions for it. One, you won't ask me very often. Two, I will only speak on what you're teaching me in the moment. And three, uh, someone has to come up afterwards and say, I need you to hear that today. So I would do it for one person. And you know what? God is awesome. He has fulfilled those three all the time. So if he asks me to speak, who am I to say no? Do I tell God that he is not sufficient for me, nor can he use my weakness for his glory? Am I in control or God? So I was getting ready to speak to the Armenian church ladies, and um, that's another thing that I'm finding weird is, I speak for translators, so it gives me time to organize, right, while they're speaking. Anyway, um, she phoned me and said, how am I going to translate this wheel with all these words? And I said, well, let's just choose one. Let's choose fearful, for instance, and translate that. And then the next middle circle is um, scared, anxious, insecure, weak, rejected, or threatened. 
I said, okay, well, well, let's take insecure. I said, translate that one. And then on the outside one, it goes to two. I chose, uh, so it was inadequate and inferior. So she does that. Now, does God have a sense of humor? He does. I was talking about myself here, and I didn't even know it. God's making me tell the translator what to translate when these are the words that I needed to hear. I felt inferior and inadequate in speaking. But I'm not. I am not. I know who I am. I am God's child. I am co-heirs with Jesus. I am worthy. I am righteous. I am precious. I know that God works through me and in me. Not inferior and inadequate, but you know, because I had not identified my the feelings, they were just fuzzy thoughts, and you just kind of push them aside, right? There is a place for healthy fear. God gave fear to us, but fear is not taking is not to take place of our reliance on God. It's actually to push us towards Him. So now I run a new script in my head. I can do everything, everything through Christ who strengthens me. Now, let's take another word, worry. So worry is actually on the outside of the wheel, and it's beside overwhelmed. So often the word worry and overwhelmed go together. Do you feel that? Worry stems from anxiousness in the middle, and anxiousness also from fear. And this one's an easy one, because God has a direct command, do not be anxious about anything. We are not to worry, we're to trust God. When we're not trusting God, we're telling Him we know better. Do we choose to worry, or do we choose to trust God? Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you don't go anywhere. Let's look at perfectionism. Perfection is very different from perfectionism. God says to strive to be perfect, but perfectionists tend to anticipate and fear disapproval and rejection from those around them. So perfectionism is not in an emotion, it is actually a habit. And we learn this habit. We need to look to find out what the feelings are that cause the habit. So back to the wheel. Um, do you feel, I think it's the next one too, do you feel judged or embarrassed on the very outside of the wheel, which comes into disapproval. And then are you disgusted at yourself because you think you're always doing things wrong? You have a wrong script in your mind? Or do you feel disrespected or ridiculed when people make innocent or not so innocent comments about you? Do you feel humiliated in the middle or anger? That's the one in the center. How many times do you blow up in a day over small or silly circumstances? Is there a deeper issue in the heart 
that causes anger triggered. We can also learn the habit of being angry in our reactions to angry people. People who blow up in anger seem strong and powerful, but they are weak. They have no control over the feelings. They do not let their mind control who they are. They believe lies about themselves and not the truth of what God has said about them, and so anger is their best defense. Dr. Richard Dobbins at a conference said, men typically have three issues with, that they struggle with in life. The first one is sexual issues, anger issues, and the third one is lying about the other two. <laughs> now, for those of you who know me, I do love picking on men. But we women, we have our own habits that need dealing with too. You'll also notice on the that the anger section is almost as big as the happy section for the amount of feelings that we have. So it needs to be addressed. Okay, I got digressed. Let's go back to perfectionists. The question is, what is trying to be hidden so that we are loved for who we portray ourselves as, but not for who God says we are? The old script is, I need to be perfect to be loved. The new script is, yet to all who did receive Jesus, we who believe in his name, Jesus gave the right to become children of God, children born of God. We are loved. You are loved for the sole reason that you are God's child. That's it. You don't need to prove anything. I love you for that very reason. So, do we choose to continue in our habits and patterns, or do we let go and experience healing and love from God? Feelings are good. God gave them to us. They help us protect ourselves, help us enjoy life, and most importantly, help us have an intimate relationship with God. Unhealthy habits keep Jesus from being centered in our life, and they keep us from surrendering our will to His. Let us be transformed by the renewing of our mind. How do we do that? Have you ever felt this way? Help! How do you get off? Stop the wheel. Well, from Philippians 4, 6 to 9, is a very familiar passage. And you'll recognize it as I start to read it. But it's Paul's eight-step program to changing our patterns and habits. So the first step, do not be anxious about anything. Acknowledge your emotional pattern and habit. Ask someone else what it is if you can't figure it out, because I want you to know that there is actually an inability to see or hear your own emotional habits sometimes. You are not a bound person trying to get free, but a free person fighting bondage. In every step two, in every situation, be aware of the circumstances around your trigger points. Resist negative thought patterns. Change them to a new thought pattern. Step three, by prayer and petition. You cannot change in your own 
first of all, you need the Holy Spirit. Second of all, be vulnerable and open. Vulnerability creates intimacy. When you open up to your trusted ones, you become closer together. With thanksgiving, thank Jesus for his work in your life and for what he will do more in your life. You cannot think thankful thoughts and negative ones at the same time. Present your requests to God. Call on him to break the cycle in your emotions, emotions and your feelings and your mind. Confess what you're feeling, those words, your pattern or habit, and not what you believe, but what you're feeling. Ask for forgiveness. Step six, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. These words are the standard for measuring our thoughts. We choose what we want to think about. Do we let our feelings evade us? Do you let your feelings take over? And if that's part of who you are and you recognize those words, go to your plan. Okay, what's the plan? Have a verse ready, a favorite song, words of thanksgiving, something to break that thought pattern. Focus on deep breathing. Call a friend. Read, draw, journal, go for a walk or a run. Anything to break the cycle. So Wednesday before coming, I was feeling overwhelmed and I could feel that panic starting to come up. And I knew what was happening. And so I was sitting there praying and, and Ken says, let's go to watch a ball game. And I said, are you serious? Do you not know? I didn't say that. In my head I said that. Do you not know how much I have to do? I said, yeah, he's right. So I went to a ball game. And being outdoors, watching fun, enjoying it, God broke that cycle. And I went home refreshed and renewed. And I was able the next day to sit down and do things, prepare the house, whatever needed to be done. It broke the cycle. And that's what we need to do. Step seven, put it into practice. And that's going to happen maybe many times a day. Let's take worry. You're sitting in that rocking chair, worrying for whatever it is that's important. And how we break the cycle. Imagine yourself in your mind's eye. You get out of that rocking chair, you kneel in front of it, and you pray for that issue. Then you get up, Get that rocking chair and you hand it to Jesus. Do this in your mind. Do it many times a day to break the cycle of worry so that you can trust Jesus. Let your small group know, your close friends, what you're going through so that they can pray for you and encourage you and help you. We are not independent of one another. We need each other. Step eight. And the peace of God will be with you. This is a promise. Look for it. It's there. The Holy Spirit gives peace in you. It takes time to see change happen, 
but it does. It's a process. It's a journey. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern or habits of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Working on your heart and mind is actually our true and proper worship. God does not want our good activities. He wants our hearts and minds. And do you know how often God has said this in the Bible? And this morning I was reading Psalm 147, 10 and 11. His delight is not in the strength of a horse, nor is his pleasure in the legs of a man. I mean, who could imagine that one? But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those whose hope is in his steadfast love. He wants our hearts, he wants our minds. Are you willing to let go of the pattern or habits that you've been thinking about this morning so that you become emotionally mature and healthy? Are you willing to choose to decide to trust God for his healing in your life. Do you want to have spiritual maturity? Surrender. There's no no other place that is better than being on the altar with God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us freedom. It's not easy I, in my own life, have said, I'd rather be picking rocks out in the sun than working on emotional work. But the joy and the freedom afterwards is amazing. But it's by God's mercy that we have the ability to offer ourselves as a sacrifice. Surrender. Let me just pray before I <laughs> Lord Jesus, you are a perfect example of surrender to the Father. And we thank you for your unconditional love for us. And Father, please forgive us when we believe lies about our identity and who we are that are not the truth of what you have told us. Wherever we are in our emotional ways, our habits and our patterns, give us the grace to let go. Today we yield to you love and we offer you our love in return. Thank you for all whom you've touched this morning and I ask that your Holy Spirit would fill them with love and strength to take the next steps in being healed. Help each one of us to become whole and free as children of our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.